0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold The Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gundog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T-Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force-free gundog training, The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazons everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force-free gundog training, and I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Train. Your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Prevention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. Oh, yeah. Hello. I am Joe Laurent and welcome to Hold the Line, the podcast for force-free gun dog training. Hold the Line is committed to helping you train your dog to an advanced level using motivational methods and without the use of fear or pain. Thank you for tuning in and please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hold the Line! Hello everyone, I hope you are staying safe and staying home in these worrying times. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about a lining drill or two and the reason for that is I think they lend themselves quite well to being run in smaller spaces. So if you don't have access to loads of land or even if you're working indoors actually there's some lining drills that you can do really well indoors. So before we get onto that I want to talk a little bit about lining in general. So lining means that you put your arm down towards the dummy that you want your dog to get and they go and get that dummy. And you can be really precise about this. So you should be able to indicate to a dog to go and get one dummy rather than another or one bird rather than another just by where you are pointing your arm. And I think this is a skill which is not really taught very much or covered very much in the UK because most of the lining drills that I've learnt have come from North America and I think that's a skill which is much more um, valued or even noticed in North America rather than in the UK. I see quite a lot of pretty successful uk trainers who sort of just put their hand out above the dog's head and kind of immediately wave it in some vague way when they send the dog in a in a particular direction um so i think that this is something that in the uk we can definitely get better at in general and the place to look to to learn how to do that is north america where they do have drills towards that end so the first drill i'm going to talk about is the wagon wheel drill and, or drills actually there's more than one wagon wheel so the wagon wheel drills are a series of drills that involve you standing in like the middle of a wagon wheel if you imagine a wagon wheel you're going to be standing right in the middle there and if you imagine all the spokes that come off a wheel those are each going to be lines that you're going to throw dummies on it's going to be a bit more specific than that but that's the basic idea so wagon wheels can be relatively simple if our wheel only has four spokes as it were but they could also be quite complicated if our wheel has say 16 spokes so we can make these easy to start with that would be my recommendation so to begin with you're going to have white dummies and you're going to need to be doing this on short grass because that's going to help the dog see the dummies and not have to deal with running blinds whilst also running you know doing lining as well at the same time so let's just do this when we're running towards things a dog can see first of all, and we're working on you know go to that thing that you can see rather than that thing you can see, because holding a line without a thing that you can see to run to is a slightly harder skill so to begin with we're going to we're going to use white dummies and we're going to try to use short grass so the dog can see so we're going to stand in the middle of our of our wagon wheel as it were, and in order to be able to do this successfully, you need to make sure that your dog's got a decent basic retrieve so they know how to bring back a dummy to you and deliver it to hand and that's happening reliably every single time so assuming that's happening reliably you're going to be standing in the middle of your wagon wheel and you are going to throw a dummy ahead of you probably about uh, 15 yards ish and if your dog's not steady when you throw dummies you might want to just hang on to their harness while you throw the dummy that's fine If the dog does get up when you throw the dummy, just ask them to sit back down again, use some treats to help reinforce them for remaining at heel. Then you're going to pivot 90 degrees to your right. And again, you're going to throw another dummy out there, the same distance, holding on to your dog again if you need to. Then you're going to pivot another 90 degrees to your right and you're going to throw out another dummy. And finally, you're going to pivot another 90 degrees to your right and throw out another dummy. So you've got four dummies and you've thrown them at 12 o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock and you're standing in the middle of this circle of dummies as it were. So you're now going to heal your dog well pivot with your dog at heel to the 12 o'clock dummy that's the first one that you threw and you are going to put down your arm to line your dog up for that dummy bearing in mind like we've talked about before think about which arm you want to use to line your dog for these things now, I've got a whole chapter on this in my book, which, by the way, you can buy from Amazon. It's called Force-Free Gun Dog Training, The Fundamentals for Success. And if you're in America, you can get it from Dogwise. I think that for some reason, American Amazon has added some big shipping price onto it. So if you get it without the shipping price, if you get it from dogwise.com. So anyway, in the book, I cover why I think it's best to line the dog with the arm which is closest to the dog. So if your dog's at heel on your left, that'll be your left arm. Because I think you can give them a much better, clearer line from your shoulder to the tip of your fingers than if you use your right arm, which is what a lot of people in the UK do. Because then you've kind of got this weird triangular thing and the dog's not looking along your arm because um, you're, you're using your right arm and your right shoulder and it just basically just doesn't work very well. And if you're not convinced of that, you can try it with a person pointing at things on the horizon using their left arm or their right arm so anyway let's assume that we've got the lining physically covered so you're gonna bend down you're gonna line your dog up for that first dummy that you threw and then you're gonna give your fetch word now when you give your fetch word you're not gonna jab your hand forward or thrust your arm forward or flick your fingers or do anything with your arm at all so the reason why is all of that's quite distracting. So imagine someone's trying to point, something, point at something on the horizon to you with their arm. And just before you go to try to start walking towards where they're pointing, they thrust their arm or they flick their fingers or they do something with their, with their arm. It's really distracting. It makes our attention come off where we're heading to and look at the arm. And we're like, oh, why are you move, jabbing your arm like that? It's just It's a really distracting thing to do at this important moment. And the reason that we do it as handlers, because it's really almost second nature and almost everybody just does it unconsciously at first, is because we want to almost impel the dog forwards or propel the dog forwards. And so we're kind of giving the dog some energy. We're sort of going off you go with some energy from our arm. Now, this is not a good idea. Although it feels a natural thing to do and it's not going to do for the reasons I just mentioned. So instead, we're not going to propel the dog forwards by any sort of physical movement of our arm because it won't really do that. And we need to rely on the dog's desire for the dummy and the the dog's clarity about what we're doing here to carry them out there to that dummy. So we're just going to put our arm out and then we're going to say our fetch word, whatever it is. Might be fetch, might be back, might be whatever, then the dog's name um so you're just going to put your arm down and without moving any part of your body you're going to say a word and your dog should just take off from your side while you remain like a statue at first um so the dog runs out and they get the dummy hopefully and they bring it back to you so if that happened excellent however that may not happen and the reason that it may not happen is because the last dummy that you threw was that dummy over at nine o'clock before you pivoted to twelve o'clock to send the dog for that first dummy that you threw so you are sending the dog for a dummy which is not the one that they just saw hit the ground and a lot of dogs especially if they're inexperienced or they're just starting out they will naturally want to go and get the one they just saw they last saw so if when you bend down and you line the dog up for the 12 o'clock dummy if they are looking like they are interested at all in that nine o'clock dummy so they might be looking with their eyes towards nine o'clock or they might be turning their head a bit towards nine o'clock or you might just get the sense that there's something over there they'd quite like to go and get if that happens you're not going to send them because we know it's not going to work we know they're going to go the wrong way so and that goes for all lining drills by the way most of the time when you put your arm down and you point towards the thing that you want the dog to go get you can tell by looking at the dog out of the corner of your eye you can tell whether they're going to go where you're pointing or if they're going to go somewhere else and if you can tell they're going to go somewhere else don't send them because you'll only have to use your stop whistle or if you've got a long line on use your long line or something like that to prevent them from being successful and we don't really want to have to do that unless we really have to so if you can tell they're going to go the wrong way just don't send them stand up walk closer to the one you actually want them to get and then put your arm down again line them up and again judge if your dog is going to be able to get the right one so sometimes you might need to go really close to the one that you want them to get so it's almost under their nose so think about think about you know how near you need to go for your dog you want to reach the point when you can stand in the middle and you don't have to get closer to any of the dummies when you can do that you can go all the way around in a circle doing that then you finish the wagon wheel with that many spokes and you can probably add in some more spokes so we'll talk about that in a minute but so to start with let's imagine that you your dog has successfully done that 12 o'clock dummy you're going to take it off the dog say thank you very much ask the dog to sit back at heel you're going to throw the dummy back to 12 o'clock then you're going to pivot with your dog at heel to the next dummy which is at three o'clock so you've just thrown back the 12 o'clock dummy and now you've pivoted to three o'clock and you're going to send the dog for the three o'clock dummy now again That's not the dummy the dog just saw fall. This is the dummy they haven't seen before for quite a long time. So again, we're fighting that desire in the dog to just go and see the last thing that they saw saw hit the ground. It's it's a concept that we're teaching the dog here. It's not just about going to get the last thing you saw. It's go and get the thing I'm pointing at. So again, this is the same concept over and over again. So the dog's going to get the three o'clock dummy, bring it back to you. You're going to click the delivery to hand, give them a treat. They're going to sit back at heel, you're gonna throw the dummy back to three o'clock. Then you're gonna to pivot to six o'clock. Line the dog up for the six o'clock dummy. Send them for that one. They're gonna go get it, bring it back to hand. You're clicking treat, we will throw it back to six o'clock. Then you're gonna to pivot to nine o'clock. Send the dog for the nine o'clock dummy. They're gonna go get it, bring it back to hand. You'll throw it back to nine o'clock and you'll pivot back to 12 o'clock. And you can just go around in a circle like this of as much as you particularly want to each session. So if your dog needs you to move up closer to any of these dummies, to be successful, then of course you're going to do that, and I suggest that you keep running that dummy, that particular um, dummy, wherever it is, if it's at twelve o'clock or three o'clock or six o'clock or nine o'clock. You keep running that one over and over again, like you just get stuck on that particular one until you can get back to the middle and you can throw it out to where it was and send them for it, and they go get it, bring it back to you. Then you'll throw it back to where it was and you'll pivot on to the next one, and so. Don't move on until you are successfully in the middle, even if you have to you know, walk up close to the one you want to get, throw it back again, walk a little bit further away, send them for it, throw it back again, walk back to the middle, throw it again, send them for it. So um, don't move on to the next spoke until you can stand in the middle of the wagon wheel and they can go get it and bring it back to you successfully. Even then, you're not finished because you want to reach the point where you can do that first time from the middle, without having to progress backwards. So once you can do this with all four dummies moving around in a circle, you'll have the dog will be starting to look at where you're pointing and go to the one you're pointing to. Now we can make we're going to make this a bit more complicated. The wagon wheel. The next wagon wheel that I like to do involves throwing out the exact same dummies. So twelve o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock. And then you're going to throw another four dummies in between each of the dummies that you've already thrown and a bit further. So you've got a dummy at 12 o'clock and a dummy at 3 o'clock. You'll throw a dummy in between those two and further out. So the dog's going to have to run between those two to the one that's a little bit further. And this is going to make the lining a little bit harder. And so you'll do that all the way around. So throw out your four dummies that you started with. And then you're going to throw out four in between each of those that you've thrown out and a little bit further. So those dummies are, in terms of distance, a little bit further than the four that you threw out to start with. So now you're going to start again at 12 o'clock and you're just going to go around the waggle wheel just like you did before, pivoting to each new dummy and lining the dog up for it. So when you get to the dummy that is a little bit further, so the dog's going to have to resist the temptation so let's talk about the first the first one of those you'll come to so you'll do your 12 o'clock dummy which is in the same place where it was previously when we only had four dummies and then you'll throw that back to 12 o'clock and then you'll pivot with your dog to the next dummy which is going to be between 12 o'clock and three o'clock but a bit further out so when you line the dog up for that one they're going to have to resist the temptation of 12 o'clock and three o'clock dummies and they're going to have to run between those dummies to the one that's a little bit further out. It might just be like <clears throat> a metre or two metres further out than the, the 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock, but they're still going to have to resist those. So we're adding a little bit more distraction. We're adding a little bit more suction to the dog, to try, which is going to try and pull them off the line. So this is a little bit harder, this lining drill. And you'll, again, you'll work around in a circle, and you'll send the dog for each of those dummies in turn. So it will be like... Um, a relatively easy one, which will be the twelve, three, six, or nine, or it will be a little bit, of, and then it's going to be a little bit harder one in between each of those. So it'll kind of go easy, harder, easy, harder, easy, harder, like that, all the way around in a circle. So some some people like to use orange dummies for these these like the, the extra four that are thrown between the easier ones. Some people like to use orange dummies. Or green dummies, because a dog can't see them. So it becomes like, not only do you have to line between the ones that you can that are tempting you at 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock, but you've also got to line and have faith that in the line that you were given, because you can't see anything there. So you're just going to take that line and have faith that that is the correct line, even though you can't see a dummy that you're heading to when you start out running. So the orange dummies are going to be a little bit harder than if you just do this with all white dummies so i do usually suggest that people start with all white dummies to begin with both the four kind of that you start the four spokes that you start out with and also when you add in eight spokes that you also use white dummies to begin with but then if you find that successful you're and you're able to do that then you can change those second four spokes to be orange or green dummies so that they are blinds that the dog is lining to between the tempting 12 and 3 o'clock white spokes. So um, that's a way of making it a bit harder. Now, again, you know, when you do these slightly more difficult spokes, and they're more difficult because they're a little bit further than the ones that we had before and because of the temptation aspect. So you may need to move up closer on those particular spokes so you know do do that let's talk a little bit about what to do if things go wrong so if you as i said before you know if you can tell the dog's going to take the wrong line then you wouldn't send them you would move up closer until you're pretty sure they're going to get the right one but there are times when you think the dog is going to go where you're pointing and then they don't so let's talk about what to do under those circumstances so there's a few different options Okay folks, it's time for a whistle pause. A whistle pause is when there would usually be an advert from a sponsor, but I don't have a sponsor so instead I'm going to play you a tune on my trusty Acme 212. Now the tune there is slightly hampered by the fact that the 212 is just one pitch, but I hope you can appreciate the rhythm. Now, the reason that we've got this beautiful whistle pause instead of an advert is because I don't get any funding for this podcast or sponsorship. I record it, edit it, upload it myself, and I pay for the server. I don't want to get a sponsor because then I have to promote whatever business is sponsoring me. And apart from the fact that I think that most dog products are bollocks, I would lose some of the independence and the freedom that I have at the moment to say whatever I want to say about whatever I want to say it about. But if you want to support me... And if you like this podcast, then there are some ways that you can support me, which will also benefit you, I hope. So you can check out the online courses I make, which you can find at forcefreegundog.com. And you can also check out my book, Force Free Gun Dog Training, and the accompanying workbook for it, which is a planner called The Workbook. You can get both of these from Amazon wherever you live in the world. So I really hope you can support me. And check out some of this material. Anyway, that is the end of today's Whistle Pause. Let's get back to the show. And I like to compare it to, you know, when when a, when a puppy does something wrong around the house, wrong in quotation marks, because that's our label that we're, we're putting on the behaviour, the puppy doesn't know it's wrong. But when the puppy does something that we don't want them to do around the house, we have options there as well so we can go ah, ah, ah or no 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 no, or clap our hands or do something scary which you know we don't want to do that or we can use i like this phrase that emily lallam has what she calls a positive interrupter so we can go pop pop, pop or something like that or be really exciting and just attract the dog's attention the puppy's attention in some way and so i kind of like to do that um and i might kind of well, I will give some treats when I teach the puppy what this positive interrupter means. So I'll go, pup, 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 and if the dog, puppy gives me attention or focus, I'll give them a treat. And so this then becomes something that I can use at moments when the puppy's about to chew my bookshelf or something. I can go, pup, 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 and then they can give them a treat. And I've kind of interrupted that behavior, but I haven't interrupted it with an ah-ah or no, or, or something which is going to be really aversive and scary for the puppy. So I think that we can use a lot of that in these drills when things go wrong. And rather than going, no, or ah-ah or whatever we can use, the, well, a positive interrupter. So we can go, hey, 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 pop, 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 and we can just try and interrupt the retrieve. And sometimes that's enough for a lot of dogs, which like to work with us and are very biddable and you know maybe are not excessively into getting that dummy. So that may work for your dog, and I suggest that's one thing that you experiment with. If your dog is a little bit more determined, so they are basically going to try a lot harder to get that dummy then we may need to put a long line on them and if we had a fully trained dog by this point of course we'd be using the sit whistle but often we're still working on our sit whistle at this point and it's not reliable enough to sit the dog on the way to a dummy yet. and we're talking about these short distances so often a long line is a good step at this point for dogs but we want to try and make it as non-aversive as possible if that's a word um so we'll use a long line in combination with a positive interrupter and we will also give treats once we've interrupted the dog. We're not using the long line to give a big sort of jerk or to correct the dog or to do anything scary. We're just using, just using it really to prevent the dog from successfully getting the wrong dummy. And we want, we want to sort of interrupt that with treats and get the dog back to heel with treats and make it not... not um aversive as far as possible, and it is definitely possible to do this, so think about the fact that prevention by itself is not an aversive it 's you know the way that we administer if you think about a short lead, for example, if you are using a lead to prevent your dog from reaching a piece of rubbish on the floor and you're using that lead just by not giving the dog more lead so they can reach the piece of rubbish that 's not an aversive whereas if you are jerking on the lead to make a correction around the dog 's neck then you are using that as an aversive. So we don't want to use our long lines in a kind of jerky, aversive administering way. We want to just use them in a sort of um, way that is only enough to prevent the dog from being successful. And we also want to make sure we're thinking about how the dog feels. And if they feel successful, we want to help them feel successful. And so when we do that, we don't want to be being angry with them. And we want to be giving them something else to do that involves treats quickly as possible which they can feel successful for and that's why like you know getting them back to heel giving them a treat for sitting back at heel again um maybe giving them a treat for focusing on you at heel so there's some behaviors that they can get in there really quickly to get reinforced for before we re-attempt the next rep of the wagon wheel and that's because we've just interrupted a perceived reinforcer for them which something they were heading towards and so we want to kind of help them feel successful with some easy behaviors that we know they can do well more importantly when we next send the dog we're going to move up closer to that dummy so we're not going to just send them from the same place and watch them make the same mistake and you know the same thing happen again so we're going to move up closer to the dummy so that we can be successful because obviously we read the situation wrongly and we thought they were going to go to the correct dummy and then they didn't so yeah go up closer to the dummy so This is my lining drill for you guys for this week. So it doesn't involve much space and you can just do it. If you've got like even a lawn or something, you can probably do this drill because you're just standing on one spot and pivoting around in a circle. As long as you've got enough space to throw dummies around you and in order for the dogs to be able to see them while they're on the floor as well. So um, next time, if I've got time, I'm going to talk about another lining drill that you can do in your house even which involves food bowls but for now i will not sort of give you too much in one go that is the wagon wheel drill and you can also find wagon wheel drills if you just google um i not know, wagon wheel four spoke or something you'll, you'll probably get up some us retriever training sites showing you dogs running wagon wheels now you might also see lots of e-collar use but you do not have to use the e-collars to run the wagon wheels we just have to figure out a non aversive way to prevent the dog from getting reinforced when they go to the wrong one. So that's what I have to say about Wagon Wheels for this week. And if you've got any questions or any of that seems a bit unclear, then do you drop me an email. Hold the line. So I've been getting a few questions through, and when that happens, I tend to sort of save them up a little bit and then put them together and do a few in one go. And so here is a question from Emily. She says, well, she's got a question about how I help to train my dogs to settle. And she says, um, my current lab, Poppy, struggles to go into standby, particularly after training or if other dogs are retrieving. Even around the home, she can sometimes struggle to settle if I'm on the phone. I would like to improve this, but also capture the behavior earlier on with the new puppy I'm getting in three to four weeks. Any advice would be fab. So the first thing to say, Emily, is that with getting a new puppy in a few weeks, make sure you listen to the episode before this about socialization during the time of coronavirus so that you can sort of get a head start and all that with your new pup. So in terms of getting dogs to settle, it's not... Those descriptions that you gave there are a little bit vague in terms of the situation that you want the dogs to settle in. It sounds like this is something that you want around the house, but it also sounds like from the mention of other dogs retrieving, this is also something that's happening in a kind of working environment or training environment. So... I think potentially the approach to those um, issues would be different depending on the setting. In terms of settling after training, I tend to find that it helps to give my dog something else to do after we finished a training session. So a training session is something that is really exciting. There's lots of food available or reinforcers available. And the dog is often highly aroused just as a result of that food being on offer or around. And I find it's a bit of a sudden transition from that to, okay, dog, you know, go chill out now. Um, It's all over. It's just a bit of a, a sharp transition. So I tend to find that it helps to give the dog something which is reinforcing but doesn't involve me and doesn't involve working with me. So it might be something like giving the dog a Kong, giving the dog a licky mat giving the dog a snuffle mat to do, to sniff out some food, but just to give the dog something that is reinforcing, that they enjoy doing, which they can go take away by themselves and do and preoccupy themselves with, which doesn't involve me working with me. And I find that's a nice transition out of working with me for for food and out of a training session. If you want the dog to settle around the house, the first thing to think about is if you are reinforcing the dog for not settling in any way. So when dogs don't settle, I mean... I kind of again we need a little bit more information there about what it is that the dog is doing exactly, which is not settling. Because not settling is like a negative thing. So what is the dog actually doing? What is the dog's behavior? So, assuming the dog is I don't know, standing near you, looking at you like they want something, and trying you know sort of pestering you, and in in a sort of um, I'd like some food, I'd like some training, I'd like some I'd like something from you way. You have to think about. If this continues to happen, then there's something that is reinforcing the dog for doing this. If you completely ignore a dog when they behave like this, then they will eventually give up and go lie down at some point. They will. So as hard as it may seem, you have to pretend that your dog doesn't exist and as if they are invisible. That's the kind of extinction approach towards the problem. Some people might find that to be a bit hardcore because... There's been some talk recently about how extinction can be punishing because there's a lot of frustration that's involved in extinction so to reduce the the sort of um well to re- reduce that aspect of extinction, you can give give the dog something to do, but you'd have to if you were going to do that, you'd have to do it before the problem behavior because otherwise you're reinforcing the problem behavior so you want to give the dog something an alternative behavior to do whether that's a stuffed Kong or food puzzle or an extra walk or whatever it is. You would have to give them that thing before the problem behavior starts rather than in response to the problem behavior. Otherwise, you're reinforcing the problem behavior, whatever it is. And in terms of being in the field and other dogs retrieving, I'm assuming that means that she's very excited when other dogs are retrieving and that she can't be calm and watch another dog retrieve. So that's kind of a different thing, really, to just not settling in the house, because there are probably different causes for not settling in these two different situations so the reason she's not settling in the house isn't because she's excited by watching another dog do something that she wants to do so because the cause is different the solution is probably a bit different so the solution in the field is going to involve more active sort of training of her to relax so one thing that might help is to use a platform of some sort if you have steadiness issues because it gives the dog a defined place that they can occupy and it's kind of black and white to the dog as to whether they are on their platform or not on their platform and you can start the platform training in the house and then once you've got the dog you know understanding the platform targeting the platform sitting on the platform staying on the platform then you can take that platform to the field and you can gradually use it in increasingly more distracting situations so you can have the dog sitting on the platform while you're throwing dummies around them or and then you can build up to having another dog retrieving while your dog is sitting on the platform so it gives your dog kind of active behavior and a location which is clearly defined that they have to remain in. So if the not settling is, you know, means that they're not being steady, then that can be a good solution. If you have, whenever you have these kind of over arousal behaviors, though, you also have to think about the whole setting and whether it's just too overstimulating for the dog and how you can dial it down. So is it when shots are fired? Is it if you remove the shot, what what changes? If you just have another dog retrieving um, without the shot, is that still too much? If you have another dog retrieving, but they're not retrieving marks, they're just retrieving blinds or they're retrieving memories, which you know are not being very excitingly thrown. Does that reduce the arousal levels for your dog watching? If you have another dog, you know, if that's too distracting, having another dog doing memories, can the other dog walk it heel up and down near you? Is that too distracting? So... It's kind of about finding the point where the arousal levels become too much and working below that level with your dog and then gradually dialing them up as your dog shows that they're able to tolerate them and able to cope with them. And you can also use the distance variable as well. So somebody's moving further away from the action and from the other dog that's retrieving, something's that can reduce arousal levels too um giving a dog a break from their platform if you are using the platform and doing some sort of sniffing around and some find it in the grass will lower arousal levels because the dog's doing deep breathing and sniffing while they're searching for those treats and then you can go back to your platform and you can do some more reps after that little break so in all ways it's about gradually dialing up how exciting the situation is for your dog all the line that's almost all for this week folks I just wanted to give you all a heads up that my book, Force-Free Gun Dog Training, the Fundamentals for Success, has been selected as a book for the sort of Facebook reading group called Books, Barks and Banter. So this is a Facebook group, which is a reading group for dog people and people interested in dog training. So different books are selected throughout the year to be focused on for a certain period of time. I believe it's two weeks and in that time people in the group discuss the book debate the book read chapters together in the book and the author is interviewed and the author is also available to answer any questions about the book or things that arise from from the book so my book starts its time as it were in the book's barks and banter tomorrow so that's the 16th of april The first chapters are going to be posted for discussion and then I'm going to be interviewed this Saturday the 18th at 7 in the evening. The interview will be live but then it's also kept up as a recording so you can always listen back to it at any time. So if you search for the group Books, Barks and Banter on Facebook and request to join the group, then you'll be able to participate in the discussions and conversation and watch the interview with me and all the rest of it. So I hope you can join us. So, it's again, one more time, it's books, barks, and banter. So, I hope to see you there and um, look forward to talking to you about the book as well. That's all for this week, and once again, stay safe and stay home.